Hey, everybody. I just wanted to say that Truth in Radio is really in trouble. Not only is the ability to listen to the show, we need to shore up, we need more equipment, we need things to shore up the listening of this show. Um, because that's in trouble. We're getting hit by hackers all the time. We have a lot of things going on, and we need your help. Truth and Radio needs your help. Free speech needs your help. I know $99 for a commemorative coin with the Kate Daly Show on it and Be Faithful, Be Fearless and a piece of history. I know that seems a little tough right now with budgets, but let me just tell you, um, the reason it's that way is because we have to raise money for the show. It's still going to put, you know, 40, 45 bucks back in your pocket, though, and you're investing in metal. You're investing in silver, which everybody should be doing right now. Please go to katedallyradio.com and pick up a commemorative coin while they're still available. Uh, get a few for family and friends for Christmas. Uh, let them know that's a piece of history they're holding. It's the F Lady Liberty on the cover of it, on the front of it. But they're going to have a little jingle back in their pocket, too. When you buy a T-shirt or when you buy a hat, those things are really great. But this actually puts money back in your pocket, and that's why I chose the commemorative coin. Uh, please go to katedallyradio.com and get a commemorative coin. This is free speech that we're talking about, and we're going to see an end to free speech if shows like mine go away. Keep my show on the air, please. Keep Truth and Radio on the air. Thank you so much for doing this. Remember to eat your fruits and vegetables. We all remember these words from our childhood. But how does anyone have time to buy, store, prepare, and eat enough healthy fruits and vegetables in our busy lives? Balance of Nature keeps it simple. Our produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. The produce is then mixed into a scientifically researched blend designed with your body in mind. Once these blends are encapsulated, they are packaged and sent right to your door so you can get all the benefits of a colorful variety of fruits and vegetables every day. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-2468-751. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code KATE. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and in light of the recent events, your continued support means everything to myself and my employees. To thank you for having the biggest sale ever on all my pillow bedding. Get my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a my pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. We also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer, for as low as $29.98. We even have pet blankets from small size to the ones for your car. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding, including MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Get all your shopping in while quantities last. Please order now. Make sure and use the promo code KATE, K-A-T-E, and get those savings and help Truth in Radio. Thanks, you guys. The Kate Daly Show, because all opinions matter, and George Soros will pay good money for them. The show starts now. Where does the real power lie? The power behind the power. Because it's no longer about who lives in the White House. 
It's about who owns the White House. This is the presidency. How much higher can a politician go? The real power isn't here. It's beyond here. It's above it, but still working in conjunction with it. Hi there. Welcome. Kate Daly Show, last hour on a Friday. And so glad to have you listening from wherever you're listening to the show from. We just hit uh, 16.6 million and on SoundCloud. And I really appreciate all of you. And I love that we're live as well. So live in in so many cities. And also um, share the show, please. Please share the show with people that you know and love. We need to wake people up. And, uh, of course, this guest is one of my most favorite. And when people ask me off the air, I've had this question a lot in interviews, uh, what, what's some of your most favorite guests? I have to say uh, G. Edward Griffin is, is on that list, because on that short list, because of his legendary career in waking people up. Uh, the creature of Jekyll Island uh, woke up people about the Fed and the documentaries he's done, outing public education. Um, all of these things, a very important interview with Norman Dodd, the important interviews with the KGB uh, defectors, you name it, he's been there and he's been there to expose it. And he has uh, the Red Pill Expo now, and the newest one is in Salt Lake City, and that is uh, November the 12th, coming up. And I'm so happy to have you on the show, Ed, again. How are you? Well, thank you, Kate. Thanks for inviting me, and I'm doing well. Good. I've had a little bout of illness that Mm. some people would have uh, described it as the COVID and all that thing. Mm -hmm. I think it was just a slightly weaponized version of the flu. Me too. But uh, I'm recovering. Good. uh, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm a little little bit short of breath. Oh, Uh, I am. Sorry. But uh, you should have seen me a couple of months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) I was in bad shape. Oh, no. We can drop that issue now. I'm doing really well, thank you. I'm uh, so glad. I'm looking forward to going to the Red Pill Expo uh, here in a couple of days. and. That'll be pretty strenuous. I think I'm up to it. I think I hope so. I hope so. We'll put you in our prayers for sure. And I I hope so. And I'm I'm glad you're doing well. You're 91 years old. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. (laughs) I I think there's a mistake somewhere. (laughs) Don't we all feel that way? Oh, gosh. 91. You just had your 90th birthday last year. And I couldn't believe it because, you know, you don't look it. You don't sound it. I mean, it's just you've had this amazing career and you're still going strong and doing all of these things at the helm of all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope to be able to do that for Mm. quite a while yet because things are really getting exciting now. And I don't want to miss it. Yes. Yes. I, I I, I understand how you feel. I do. This whole this whole last I call it blovid or fluvid. Uh, this whole last three years has this been one of the wake up calls? And maybe if we could pull anything out of it that's positive, has this been a wake up call? Have you noticed a shift in the oh, thinking? Oh yes, it's yeah. so obvious. Yeah. And of course, uh, we know that this is uh, what's coming. I mean, uh, people have to wake up at some point. Uh, I'm sure even those cows in the chute going to the slaughterhouse, sure. when they get so close that they can uh, smell the mm-hmm. smell the slaughter ahead of them and hear the the mewing from the I guess they don't call it mewing or mowing or whatever mm-hmm. they call it from the cows and everything. They said, "Hey, wait, something bad's going ha- on here." <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I think humans are a lot like that. The closer they get to the calamity, the more obvious mm-hmm. it is. But the good part of all that is that even though the calamity is 
uh, probably a good name for it, is getting closer and closer. We still have enough time to um, to steer the ship a little bit. Right. I don't think we're going to get out of this without paying a huge price. But I mm-hmm. think we are going to come out of it better than we went into it because people will have lost their complacency. Right. They will know that liberty is no longer something you can ignore. It's something you have to defend and something you have to nourish. And so that's an important next step. And I don't think I don't think the world would be taking that step if they hadn't felt uh, the breath of the uh, of the dragon. You know, mm, hadn't felt the loss of liberty quite as deeply as we felt it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I can so, certainly uh, understand that. Uh, and uh, and hopefully, you know, if we can pull anything good out, maybe that's something that's positive. You know, I'm going to ask you this again, because I asked you this the very first time I interviewed you, but it's been a few years. What was your wake-up call? What was that moment? Because usually there's always a catalyst. There's a, the build-up and then the catalyst of, of why you started looking into these things, like the, writing The Creature of Jekyll Island and about the Federal Reserve and so forth. What was your moment? Well, you know, that's... Uh, it's an easy and a hard question to answer at the same time. Sure. It's easy because I, I do remember it, but it's hard because most people expect the answer to be dramatic, mm. which it is not. Right. Um, it's like so many things in life. I think most people have gone through this experience that we, we start off, we've got our view of where we're headed, we've got a mission, we've got a master plan, and wham, something hits us and or falls in our path and we can't proceed down the path that we had chosen. So we're forced at great pain and anguish to try something else and we go off at maybe 30 degrees or 90 degrees to where we were headed and we cry all the way, oh poor me, poor me. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years later we realize whoa, hey, this is, this is better than the first path. I'm doing better now than I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm happier now than I was then. And these, in, these terrible things that happen to us, these blocks in our path, mm-hmm. turn out inevitably to be the best things that ever happened to us because they force it on us to take a a more intelligent and a more realistic path in our lives. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how I got into this. A little thing happened. I I happened to be in a a client's office waiting for an appointment. I picked up a little magazine Mm -hmm. called The Free Man, and it was the first time I had ever read a little story from the free enterprise or laissez-faire perspective. Hmm. I've never read anything like that before. I, mm-hmm. I'd gone through my childhood, gone through the university, I graduated, got married, already had a couple of kids, and I'd never read anything from a free enterprise perspective. And this sort of jolted me. I thought, hey, this is really interesting. So it was no life changing thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that I subscribed to the magazine and I, I, I liked it so much I, I ordered all as many back issues as I could. I got the bound versions of the, <laughs> of the magazine all the way back to year one. Wow. I read all this stuff. I said, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Then I picked up another pamphlet a little while later, a critique of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. I was incensed at that because I knew the UN was wonderful. Uh, they told me that in school. Right. And um, I knew it was our last best hope for peace. And so when I read this stuff, and this can't be true. And I went to the library. I started to check it out. I found out, whoops, it was true. Now, by this time, the hook is a little bit deeper. And it's just the, the steps like that. Like mm. One thing leads to another, to another, to another. And finally, I decided to, to abandon my so-called career. I was climbing the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. I was all wrapped up in material things. How much money am I going to make? What kind of a car am I driving? Mm-hmm. How are we looking? Can we buy a better house? You know, what? where are we going to go on vacation and all this stuff? 
and uh, new furniture, new drapes, and all that stuff. And I was very materialistic, but all of a sudden, I realized that, oh my gosh, the thing, this, all my illusions about life were mm-hmm. illusions. I thought they were the real thing. Mm-hmm. I thought I was born into a country of our forefathers. Right. You know, right. I still believed in, you know, the land of the free, the home of the brave, and all of that. And I came to realize that those were illusions. And that's when my crusader gene hit in, and uh, I quit my job. My poor wife thought I was crazy. How are we going to feed the kids, put food on the table? But it it was not one thing, Kate. Mm. It was a whole series of little things like that. And so here I am, uh, the victim of fate, I guess. I love this story. I really do, because that's how it happens for most people. For me, it was the seatbelt seatbelt law. I mean, of all things, right? But that was what launched me. So in in your career, um, what was the first deep dive, the real big deep dive that you did? What topic? Well, it happened, the deep dive, uh, just like a moment ago, was not all at once. Okay. But nevertheless, the deepest dive for me was the monetary system. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I have to stop and evaluate that. The health system is also, I think, another very, very deep dive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought our money was created by the government. I thought the Federal Reserve, whatever that was, must be a government agency. I thought all the people connected with it were probably interested in my my best uh, interest and mm-hmm. the fate of the nation. They were our servants, and they were good people doing the best they could. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I said the same thing about in my mind about all those researchers in the health field, all the doctors and all mm-hmm. the, you know, the experts, the health experts, and the, new, the people were telling me what I should and should not eat and all that stuff. Right. I thought they all had my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I took two deep dives on both of those, and which led to my two books right. that have been the best sellers over the years, and I didn't expect them to be. But anyway, the one was The World Without Cancer, yes. the story of vitamin B-17. Yes. And the other one was uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve. Master and those were deep dives for me. Mm. Yes, they were, and they were for everybody else. So yeah. a lot of people were um, awakened with that. And uh, when you look back, what is the interview that you look back, the interview that you did um, that, I mean, you've had a lot of interviews uh, that were published and documented. What was the one that you found, like, I'm, you, that you're just so happy now that you were able to do that you felt was so important for people to hear and understand? Well, there were several of them like that, Kate. But the one that comes to mind first is the one with Norman Dodd. Yes, yes. Uh, he was the chief investigator for the Reese Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were investing tax-exempt foundations. And uh, that's when Norman Dodd had come from the banking world. And when I interviewed that fellow, that old gentleman, he, he just taught me what life was really all about in terms of money and banking. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, and I I recorded that on video at a time that nobody was particularly interested. Mm-hmm. And um, and now, of course, everybody's interested in it because he was talking such about about this at such a profound, fundamental level. Oh my gosh, yes, and the education system, how it was hijacked. And I've actually taken yeah. that recording and I've played it on the air. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Well, you know, nobody understood it or cared about it right. when I did it. But uh, 20 years later, all of a sudden, people were saying, I hear you have a recording with Norman Dodd. Yeah. Could we hear it? Could we see it? 
I say, yeah. So much after the fact. That's interesting because yeah. it took a, a little bit and people started realizing how it had been hijacked. And he described perfectly how the Carnegie Foundation and those foundations associated with it took over from 1907 on. So it was. Yes. Oh, you did study that very I carefully, did. didn't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it's, it's that important. We're going to go off to a break. We'll be right back. I'll be right back with mm-hmm. G. Edward Griffin. I know. I have to say the legend. And I hate to say it like that. But you're the legend. I mean, you have brought a lot forward. I know, right? Uh, I knew you'd get a kick out of that. He's so humble. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. More with G. Edward Griffin when we come back. And the Red Pill Expo, November the 12th, Salt Lake City. Be right back. Now, call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Hi there. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. So glad you're joining me. A great uh, and fun interview with G. Edward Griffin. Also, Dinesh D'Souza on Monday, on our Monday show uh, after the weekend. And, of course, uh, Red Pill coming. Red Pill will uh, be in Salt Lake City on the 12th. And there's so many wonderful speakers. So many of those speakers we've had on the show numerous times. And you'll want to hear them in person. There's always a lot more said in person, especially at the Red Pill. So it's a great event. Make sure you go up to Salt Lake City and uh, be part of that, please, and go get tickets because it's important. These things are important, and right now is a great time to wake up a friend. So bring a friend that sort of doesn't really know anything or just be barely beginning to understand, and I, I think they're going to have uh, a great experience up there. Go to redpilluniversity.org. Redpilluniversity.org. Uh, welcome back, and I really appreciate this time with you. We were just talking about that interview with Norman Dodd, and then what was your interview with uh, the KGB, the KGB guy. Did you want to talk yeah, about that, that? that? His name was Yuri, Yuri. Vesminov. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was a high-ranking uh, Soviet uh, KGB agent mm-hmm. specializing in propaganda and uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, he, he escaped from all of that at great risk to his life, especially back in those days. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I was reading one of the reports that the the previous guy that that tried to defect from the KGB, they brought him back, and they uh, burned him alive in a cremation oven and forced all the other agents around to watch it. Oh, my gosh. So they just burned him to death. So it, when Yuri Besbinov uh, defected, he came out of India. He was assigned in India. India. He dressed up like a hippie and got out with a bunch of other American hippies and came to the U.S. to tell his story and to wake up America, in a way, to, to warn us that uh, mm-hmm. he knew what the KGB was and the Soviet Union were trying to do to America because he was part of it. And so when I heard about this, I ran the guy down. I said, how, how can we... Can we interview you? Right. Sure, I'd be glad to. Wow. So that's how that came about. Oh, I can't even imagine what that was like for you to interview yeah. him and hear it straight, you know, straight from uh, someone involved like that. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I knew the story because I had read about it, but mm-hmm. to sit there with him in a living room uh, in two comfortable chairs mm-hmm. and just ask him questions yeah. was really yeah. quite an experience okay. and an eye-opener because when you read things, you don't know who wrote this. Is this the truth or not? 
not. But when you see the man himself mm-hmm. telling his own story, you know it's the real thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Are there still rabbit holes you want to go down? Are there still some questions that you wish you had weeks on end to just do some research on? Oh, they're all over the place. <laughs> I was <laughs> oh thinking that'd gosh, probably be your yes. answer. <laughs> There's so many. I'm a, right. I want to know more about the, the Antarctic phenomena. Yes. I want to know more about, yes. did they really put a man on the moon? Yes. I want to know. I, want to know. <laughs> I don't want to hear somebody's opinion. Right, you know? right. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I want to know, are there aliens out there or aren't there? Yeah. And if so, what, what's going on, you know? Right. There are all kinds of questions. It's not all politics and health. There are a lot of phenomena. I want to know more about... Um, Quantum physics is yes. this the real thing? Yes. Oh, you know, you know, the the idea of the red pill is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It seems like the more important an issue is in our lives, the more likely it is that we've been taught a, a, a an illusion about it. It's right. not the way we, it really is. Do you still feel like you have cognitive dissonance? That I have? Mm-hmm. Well, do sometimes have I do, yes. Yeah. Of course I do. I think do. that's such yeah. an honest answer. I think we all do. I think, <laughs> that, you know, if we're not questioning that, maybe there's a problem, right? Yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that I've just peeked under the tent, mm-hmm. and I've spent, uh, what, 50 years in heavy-duty uh, questioning and research on these things. Right. And I know I've just lifted a little corner of the tent, there's so much more in there that I don't know about. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. And I'm sure the last... And, well, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, much of it spills over from the real world of politics and physics and all mm-hmm. that stuff into the esoteric world of what is the universe? What is matter? What is gravity? You know, what is time? Right. Things like that. Yeah. They're, they're mind benders. What is infinity? How, how do you measure infinity? Right. Does it have a beginning or an end? Or, well, no, but then how does what does it look like? Well, it doesn't look like anything. You know, questions like that. Mm. If if a person has an open mind, mm-hmm. you never have to worry about being <laughs> bored. That's so true. Is there anything that you're sure of 100%? Yes. Yeah. What is and it? I said, I don't know very much. <laughs> that you don't know very much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, I love that. I think that's great. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we should all say that. I, I, I'm pretty sure God's there. Uh, I feel like there's a God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that I know. But beyond that, I think it's all up, for, all up for questions because people say, to what extent were we lied to? What's your answer to that? Well, I don't know. The answer yeah. is I don't know. Yeah. But the but I know it's extensive. <laughs> there you go. Right? I mean, yeah. it, there's so many it's things. A lot. Yes, there's so there's just so much out there I think that we're just just like you like you said we're just starting to peek under the tent. What was the after this last 3 years and what we've just gone through with understanding finally what the medical community after after the takeover of Johns Hopkins and public health, the introduction of public health, they wanted to make sure that they ran those those medical schools a certain way. So now we're all finally realizing this and we're also realizing we have socialized medicine that is afoot now. So with that and your book and your series on a world without cancer, what are some of the most important things that you think that you were saying early on that people need to pay attention to when it comes to cancer? Well, I suppose the most fundamental thing the really rock-bottom thing about not just cancer, but all chronic uh, diseases, uh, is that um, health does not come from a test tube. Mm. 
it comes from nature. And I believe, conversely, most illnesses come from the lack of uh, being at one with, with nature. Mm-hmm. Now, there are certain things, of course, you can, you can live too close to a power line. Mm-hmm. You can be inhaling toxic things. Mm-hmm. You can poison yourself with the foods that you eat and all those things. But even in spite of all of those damaging things to your body, I, I've come to appreciate the fact that the body is extremely responsive and can overcome amazing trauma if you just give it the right uh, ingredients that it's mm-hmm. looking for, mm-hmm. things that grow out of the ground mm-hmm. generally. Uh, I never thought I'd hear myself saying that because I used to think these, these people that are always talking about herbs were right, crazy, right. you know. Right. But now I think, well, now I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think I think this this universe or this planet at least was put together mm-hmm. not only with with living things but I mean animals and mm-hmm. things with feet that you can move them around and fins that you can swim around and wings that you can fly around but not only that it was it has to be created with the with the essential nutrients and the foods the engine needs needs to be driven with a fuel all the fuels and all the maintenance tools are also created at the same time mm-hmm. otherwise it wouldn't work right so right. once you get that kind of a, a thinking process going it makes it simplifies things a lot it makes it easier to understand what illness really is and a lot easier to figure out what to do about it so true wow words of wisdom i love that yeah absolutely when you uh when you're looking back at 91 years what are you most proud of in your life proud proud Mm. let me think one has to be very careful of pride Mm -hmm. uh my aunt Alice, who raised me, always used to say, now remember, Edward, pride cometh before a fall. (laughs) So true. (laughs) (laughs) It was so right. (laughs) That is so true. So true. But you asked me a question. Mm -hmm. I feel very content about having, having produced some educational materials, books and videos Mm -hmm. that have caused people to... uh, I think take a more correct path in life, at least as I see it. Yeah. When, when people like you tell me that uh, something I've written or something yes. I've said somewhere along the line has had a, a, a profound effect on your life, for example, mm-hmm. and when somebody tells me that, I think, hot dog. I'm, I'm worth, <laughs> you did it. I'm worth something. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> uh, but, I love that. Isn't that great? Because it's, it's yeah. all about truth. And so the things well, that I'll you Well, I'll give you an example. True. Sure. When I started down this path, I realized that the, the most fundamental problem I think we're, pa- we're facing politically is the fact that people believe in something called collectivism. Oh, and yes. they, didn't, they don't know about collectivism versus individualism. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, long, not too long ago, everybody knew what those words meant. Right. But by the time I got to World War II, they'd been pretty well scrubbed out of the uh, vocabulary. And uh, I found out, you know, communism, fascism, Nazism, socialism, Right, left, Republican, Democrat, and all these things mean nothing, really. Right, right. Hard definitions. They're all based on this conflict between individualism versus collectivism. And I've been trying to preach that for uh, quite a while now. And what really makes me feel good mm-hmm. is when I hear these words beginning to creep back into the common vocabulary. Right, right. I hear it on the radio or on mm-hmm. television. I think, hot dog, here's another one. There's bingo. <laughs> people, I love that. people are beginning to think think in terms of reality now, not illusion. So true. Where we have always talked about communism, is it globalism now? 
Is that our threat? Well, that's another, that's another word. What is mm-hmm. globalism? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a globalist. I, w- I want global peace and mm-hmm. freedom and humanity. Mm-hmm. What is globalism? Well, we know globalism is the equivalent of, uh, of global collectivism. Yes. It's the collectivism yes. part that makes clo- globalism bad. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with world government. If the government is based on the principles of liberty and protection of human rights, and restriction against the growth of government itself. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? It could be global. I hope it, if we ever get a good formula for it, it should be global. <laughs> so the size of it is not the issue. Mm-hmm. That's why I say these words get in the way. I People see. start arguing over things that they don't even understand what the words mean. Mm. So true. The issue is individualism versus collectivism. What is the center of society? Is it the individual mm-hmm. or is it the group? Right. And most people today, without realizing it, believe it is the group. And that's how we lose. Yes. Because all the, the uh, demagogues have to do is say, well, this is for the greater good of the greater number. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, okay, well, I guess so then. That, yeah, that's turned into like niceness and kindness. And it seems as though yeah. those uh-huh. things have turned into um, a pat on the back. So when they're, when they're in collectivism, they think, well, this and, and rooting for it, they think that this is good. It makes them good in some yes. strange way. Yeah. Well, the perfect example is uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh, you know, people denied it for a long time. The idea that uh, the United States government, FDR and, mm-hmm. uh, and others in the State Department and the military all plotted to get us into the war right. and made it uh, very tempting for Japan to attack Pearl Harbor, made sure that her fleet and her planes and everything were not interfered with so they could have a, quote, Mm -hmm. surprise attack. All that was denied at first. Now they found the records in the archives, and it's all proven now that that's exactly what happened. And uh, so a lot of the people that denied it originally are now changing their tune and saying, well, isn't isn't it great? that President Roosevelt had such uh, great foresight oh, is to geez. use these, uh, these, tr- these tricks to get the American people to wake up to the necessity to get into the war. And, and so because it was for the greater good of the planet oh, to, my to defeat Nazism. And so, what forth, a you know. marketing plot. I'll be, we'll, yeah, we'll, it, be, we'll be right back a, little bit, a yeah. little bit more, a couple more minutes with G. Edward Griffin when we come back. Be right back. at Aragosta Restaurant. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Come out for to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm coming to. Come out for to carry me home. So glad you're listening in because you're getting a treat today. Uh, G. Edward Griffin, the author of The Creature of Jekyll Island, The World of Cancer, and exposing uh, public education. And I mean, you name it. You name it. Exposing communism. You name it. He's done it. And a a lifelong worth of work in this department. I can't even tell you. Um, and in, in, in just a moment, we'll have him back on. But let me tell you, Inside Out Hyperbarics, great sponsor of the show. A hyperbaric machine is amazing. you got to have one in your home. We are looking at socialized medicine in these hospitals now. And so the orders are coming from NIH and CDC on your care. 
and uh, and a team of lawyers that get to decide what your score is when you enter the hospital. Look, and bypass that and get some get some good health. Hyperbaric machines are amazing. When I had Dr. Judy uh, Mikovits on, she talked about hyperbaric machines and how amazing they are. Get one in your home. You can pay on it later, and uh, and help you help your friends help your neighbors because you can all utilize it right and i know that uh, you all have good hearts and and want to help and want to do something for yourself and this is what you have control over is your health go to insideouthyperbarics.com with an s inside out hyperbarics and get a hyperbaric machine it'll do you so much good for so many reasons uh g edward griffin is my guest and i'm so honored to have him because he is uh truly one of the legends i mean this is this is the person who has woken up so many people. I was just telling him on the break that I'm asking him what his wake up moment was. And honestly, I've had guests on the show who refer to him as their wake up moments. So talk about, you know, talk about how this, how this all works out. It's very, very interesting. And I hope he realizes this because he is the catalyst for many, many people waking up. And I love that. Don't you, Ed? I think that's so wonderful. Well, it is wonderful, but it's, to me, it's more uh, of a phenomenon than it is a personal thing, because we've all heard the expression that you know we stand on the shoulders of giants, mm. and uh, there's very little that I have contributed to the knowledge base. Right. Maybe a few minor things, and I'm 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 very happy about those. But all, 99.999% of everything I know or think I know of any value. I've learned from somebody else, from other authors, from other speakers, mm. some even some friends, you know. Right, right. But uh, the literature is great. And uh, it's, you read a good book, mm-hmm. sometimes it's written 150 years, 200 years ago. Uh, read some of the debates in the, in the Constitutional Convention. Mm-hmm. Read the Federalist Papers, you know, the old documents yes. where people talked about the same things we're talking about and uh, you come away with impressions and conclusions and then then you're in a conversation someday and you you wind up saying something and say gee that's brilliant <laughs> and, and you don't even realize that you stole it from Jefferson or something you know yes. that's how it works you learn from others mm-hmm. and it is a great feeling to be part of that chain mm-hmm. and you look at yourself what are you doing how many people are you influencing mm-hmm. and uh, you may not even realize it, but those people will go on and they'll influence 100,000 people or maybe just 100 people. But that's how it goes. It goes forever that way. Knowledge grows person to person. Oh, I love that. You're so humble. I, I, I really like that about you. It's just a fantastic quality about you. When, you're, when, you, when you think about all the hits that you've taken for bringing all this information forward and for speaking out and, and all the cottage meetings you've done and all the times that you've presented and you look back at your life as we are as we're moving forward in our lives and we're trying to tell people you must stand it's liberty is more than just a vote every year you have to stand you have to speak out you have to learn have has it all been worth it i'm sure you took your hits i'm sure people looked at you sideways i'm sure people said things about you has it all been worth it because i sure hope that the takeaway is that people need to move forward uh speaking out right well, yes, it, it, in that sense, it was definitely worth it. But, you know, even if we were still in that uh, underdog, uh, well, uh-huh. I guess we are in the underdog status, but not as much as, as right. we were back in the 60s right. when I started to speak out on these things. But even if we were, or even worse off than that, it, it's not that it's, it's worth it or not. It's that do we have to do it? 
Yeah, and right. uh, if you're the kind of a person like I am, and you're, uh, and you you've got this burden of having a, a crusader gene, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any difference whether it's worth it. You just have to do it. That's all. Well, you just have to speak the truth. Yeah, you have that. to do it. Yeah, yeah, for your own conscience, I'm sure. Yeah, and right. Huh? You're still standing today, so it, yeah, <laughs> you standing. made it. <laughs> yeah. You know, what are people so afraid of? Do you think? Well, I don't know what they're. Afraid of uh, yeah. getting bumped off, I guess. I guess, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I, I well, I, nothing wrong to be afraid of that. Right. But it's what you do with your fear that's important. That is so true. That is so true. You were talking about before we left to the break how they knew about Pearl Harbor coming on, and I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that more. Um, you're certainly welcome to do that. But. Well, I just am, I'm, I'm quoting now some facts that I remember mm-hmm. from years ago when I was researching the topic. So sure. I don't have a lot of finite details with mm-hmm. names and dates sure. and so forth. But uh, it, it was amazing to me at the time how much detail there was. It was thoroughly documented right. and, and found in, in official documents that mm-hmm. the uh, leading officials in the United States government were the primary instigators of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And they wanted, they wanted Japan to attack Pearl Harbor so that we could get into the war as a victim rather than in, as an aggressor. Yes. And uh, because they thought if we went in as an aggressor, why, it would, you know, it would be bad publicity. Mm-hmm. So they made it everything, made everything possible and easy for Japan to strike uh, Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And um, that, the details after that become very interesting, even to the point where they, I, I don't know why I picked this, it just flooded across my mind. Yeah, sure. There was one, one Japanese uh, uh, spy mm-hmm. that came in to Pearl Harbor under the uh, the cloak of being a, a, a diplomatic mm-hmm. employee for the office there from uh, from Japan, mm-hmm. and um, the record, the FBI records show that they knew exactly who he was. He was a graduate of uh, Japan's uh, espionage school. They knew his name, his address, his girlfriend's name. They knew everything about him. Mm-hmm. They knew when he got on board and was coming to. Uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. They knew mm-hmm. when he landed. They knew where he lived. They knew what his phone number was. I think they tapped his phone. And they knew that every day he went up to a hilltop overlooking the bay mm-hmm. and was, was taking note of ship movements Jeez. and um, and then telegraphing or sending in some way the information back to, to Tokyo as to what ships were there, where they were, uh, you know, when they came in, what they're likely to go out with. So they were setting up Pearl Harbor so that the Japanese would know exactly what ships to strike and where they were. Wow. And they did nothing to interfere with it, nothing at all. Boy. In fact, they actually blocked some people who were trying to get the information out, and uh, they stepped in, in the way and said, no, no, this is, um, this is protected information. Things like that. You, right. you know, one or two things you could probably explain away. Well, maybe there was a reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody made a mistake. Mm-hmm. But when you find 50 or 60 things mm-hmm. like that all in a row, it becomes very clear that this was part of a strategy to get the United States into World War II as a victim so that the people in America would support it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have supported the war. It's so true. Oh, amen to that. And almost every uh, war we've had. So (laughs) it it goes on and on and on. I mean, let's take a look at uh, 9-11. Yeah. 9-11, 9-11, I mean, big it's example. The same principle, not a war, mm-hmm. but the war on terrorism, supposedly. Right. So you got to have a terrorist attack. It's going to conduct a war against terrorists. So, so who creates the attack? 
Yeah. You know? yeah, you're exactly right. So why do you think they tell us, you know, because all, all of this, there's so much proof. They're always saying these things. And I always say on the air, they're saying it. I'm just telling you what they're saying. I mean, That's I'm just right. the messenger. Why do they tell us? What do you think the reason well, in, is? Well, in many cases, I don't think they'll, they don't think that we'll read it. Ah. In many cases, they say these things in private settings mm-hmm. where somebody took notes and then wrote a book on it later, or maybe somebody was making a recording Mm -hmm. and they didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. They thought they were just among friends. And sometimes they do write about it and openly broadcast it. But in those cases, they generally soften it a little bit by explaining that it was a good thing. As I mentioned a moment ago, it was a good thing that we did all of that. We killed a couple of thousand American sailors because it was for the greater good of the greater number. And uh, we were able to put an end to fascism. Oh, it's you know, so horrible. <laughs> yeah. So we, they, one way or the other, they explain it. Mm-hmm. And besides, it, we know how they think because we've read their, their ideology books. We right. know that they believe that uh, this is warfare mm-hmm. and their goal is to conquer the world. Yeah. And people like you and me, we're, we're the enemy because we're blocking them. Right. And so they're at war with us. And, you know, the morality of warfare is very simple. Yeah. And it's that... There's only one, only one immoral thing in warfare, and that's to lose. Ah, yes. Everything else is moral. Hmm. So once you understand how they think, then it's no longer surprising that they do things like that, that's especially so when they can justify it or appear to justify it by saying it's for the greater good. Great comment. It's covered on all all corners. That's a great comment. I know that as we were talking on the break, you would tell people to gather and gather often. This is probably why you do the Red Pill uh, Expo. uh, And and you were talking about that and the difference of emailing, you know, um, and how getting together. Did you want to talk about that for a moment? Well, yeah. Yeah. We eventually come with these conversations. We come to the question of what are we going to do about this? Sure. It's not enough just to know about it and read books and say, aha. Mm-hmm. We figured out what they're doing. <laughs> now what are they going to do next? That's not enough. Mm-hmm. We have to take that knowledge and convert it into some kind of a plan of our own. You know, the old saying that the purely defensive is doomed to defeat. Mm-hmm. So we've got to stop just being defensive and and to do something more than just try to stop the enemy. Right. We've got to reverse the battle and take it to, to their home ground and get rid of them. I don't mean to kill them. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. This is a battle that's taking place in the power centers of our nation where they're, t- they're capturing control of political parties and government agencies and, uh, yes. and uh, labor unions mm. and uh, media outlets. It's not that they're killing us yet, right, right. although that's going to come, but they're capturing control of our country piece by piece. That's the war that we have to get into. Mm-hmm. And until we realize that we are at war, we're never going to win. Thinking of the stages of communism, takeover of America, where are we and what sources of hope do you, uh, for America do you see? Well, we're far. I don't know how to put a percentage on mm-hmm. it or any other way to measure it. Mm-hmm. But we're way, way too far down the path for comfort. Right. Um, I, I just don't know what number to put on it. I'm usually more pessimistic <laughs> than reality. Well, um, so I, mean, I there is know, the reality I, I, of it. So <laughs> we, we must yeah. face our awful situation for sure. What do you, what do you yeah. see as sources of hope? What gives you hope right now? Well, the source of hope, of course, is only one thing. And that is that enough, enough people, and now we're just talking about America now. Right. So I'll just say 
the only source of hope for America is for enough Americans to understand not only what our enemy is doing, but what the, that there is an enemy. They don't realize we're at war. They think this is just happening because there are a bunch of noodleheads in Congress that don't know what's going on. Right. Oh, write to your congressman. Tell him that you disapprove. You know, they don't realize that these congressmen are, are already compromised. Yes. And they're doing what they're told. Uh, so anyway, we have to... We have to depend on enough people to realize that we are at war, to realize that we have an enemy, to learn how the enemy thinks, to understand what strategies the enemy uses, and then to get ourselves organized in a countermeasure and take the offensive against them. Now, that sounds like it's a big measure, and it is, Mm -hmm. but the good news is it doesn't take so many people to do that. The fact is that history is always written by a very small minority, usually 1% or less of the population. If they're motivated and organized like I'm describing, 1% will easily dominate the other 99% who are out there, you know, playing their games and watching Dancing with the Stars or whatever they're doing and uh, enjoying life. It's that 1% who will be the thought leaders who will mobilize and influence a 15% of people who agree with it. They're not scholars or anything, but mm-hmm. they'll agree with us. Yeah, we want to support this. 15% will overcome the other 85% every time. So mm-hmm. our goal is really to find that 1% of the population who will then influence the 15% and then offer a plan of action mm-hmm. that the 15% can follow. And just like the American Revolution, which was fought and won by 15% of the population, You're right. we also can win. You're right. There's always been the heavy lifting has always been done by the smallest group, but those, that it's smallest true. group is extremely strong, and you're exactly right. Yeah. Strengthen them. Go to Red Pill Expo and meet uh, uh, Ed over there, uh, G. Edward Griffin over there at in Salt Lake City, November the 12th. Ed, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you're, you. su- you're such a wonderful person, and I don't mean just because you, you let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, are you kidding? I love learning from you. I think you're spectacular, so thank you no, so much. No, but your show is fantastic, and, and the thank insights you. that you that you uh, impart thank you. Uh, with your listeners are just very, very impressive to me. Aww. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Ed. That really makes me happy. Thank you. Uh, be faithful. Be fearless. See you back here on Monday. We thought about hiring one of those company spokesmen.